Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Welcome back to the Rotovis Fantasy Football Mailbag, where we answer all of those questions to get you ready for the upcoming Fantasy Football Week 5 slate. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRand. And today we bring in a big shot, Mr. Bob Harris himself on Twitter at Football Diehard. Fantasy Football Diehard senior editor. He, of course, is a host on SiriusXM Fantasy. He is a guru of fantasy football information. And he stopped by here to join us on the October 7th episode to give you advice on how to win your seasonal and dynasty leagues this week and the rest of the year. Like I said, follow him on Twitter, Football Diehard. Mr. Harris, welcome to the Road of His Mailbag. Mike Randall, nice of you to invite me on. Nice to see you in semi-human form. Uh, always good to put faces to the uh, names that we work with over the course of time. And, uh, and, and that's a great thing about this business, you know, that I mean, I've been doing it quite a while. And uh, the people are amazing, right? And, and it's... Uh, I don't know, maybe this is, you know, I don't work in a lot of industries, just this one, but it just seems like you, I work with so many people over the course of years that, you know, not in human form, you know, in electronic form, right? And you chat with them and you work with them and you exchange emails and things. And so it's always nice to get a little bit of, of FaceTime and, and like even more, you know, some of the events recently, uh, you know, in in, uh, in Canton, the uh, Bob Lung's uh uh, convention there, the, you know, things like that, where we get to put actual faces, voices, and uh, physical presences uh, in in the in the picture. Listen, life's about relationships. I did not make it out to Canton, but I definitely have to get there next year. The expo was great. Yeah, the expo was great. I had a really good time. The pictures and everything, absolutely. Uh, listen, Bob, you're one of the the pillars of the industry here. I always like to start with a question when I have someone on I haven't had on before. How did you get involved to it? What were the steps? Because everyone's story is so unique. And I think it's fascinating to talk about how people got involved and got where they are today, which is we hear you all over the place on Sirius XM and of course, fantasy football diehards as well. So it's a pretty simple, you know, it was a pretty simple process for me. Uh, it was uh, 1986 and a friend, a uh, long time, you know, childhood friend uh, had gone and done some work in San Diego, uh, Came back from San Diego after a year or two away, and and uh, you know the gang got together, and and he said, "Hey, I found this thing, and you're gonna love it." And uh, and we did. It was fantasy football, and we did love it. But it took me about a week to uh, realize that I didn't. That none of us knew enough to do this right. Right? We didn't have the information we needed to do it right. And so I started. You know, I was kind of a graphic designer way back when. And so I started putting together a weekly newsletter for the league where I kind of, you know, poke fun at everyone's team. And also, though, try to pass along a little information. And that just kind of snowballed. And in 1993, I turned it into a business and uh, I've been doing it ever since. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And that's what it is. It's about the grind. I love the grind myself, getting to meet people, relationships, and then just growing, growing with passionate people who love fantasy football. That's why we're here. It's a great path. Now we're going to dive into this week. We have a game. This this pod will drop tomorrow. We're recording it on Wednesday, October 6th. It will drop tomorrow morning. So, of course, I get to give you all the questions about the Thursday night game between the Rams and the Seahawks, which is critical. First one I want to ask you about, Chris Carson. What are you hearing? What do you think? And if he cannot go, is it Alex Collins' season, really? Yeah, really it is. And look, we've seen this before. Alex Collins has been a league winner, right, for people like you know, in Baltimore uh, with a late season run. So uh, I don't think he's quite at that level anymore. I hope Chris Carson plays. A lot of times on Thursday games when you get this, you know, the or the, the in- injury information is skewed because of the compressed week, right? And so guys who would normally maybe be on the practice field, they're just, you know, taking it off. Uh, this is not a new thing for him. Uh, you know, the injury, he's been on the injury report with it before, although not drawing a designation. So it's not like something that suddenly cropped up. So that eases my mind a little bit. Um, and also, you know, Look, I mean, he wasn't great last week. I think that's that's the bigger concern for me. And maybe yep. this was uh, indicative that the neck the neck issue was maybe a problem or maybe it was just a lackluster offense. That's what it looked like watching the game. They just weren't doing anything. They had, what, a handful of threes and out. Yep. And then Alex Collins came in and injected a little life. And so, you know, I'm hoping that's all it is. I am a uh, Chris Carson aficionado. Uh, draft him early and often, uh, and my love of him is only second to Pete Carroll's apparent love for him uh, because Pete Carroll will continue playing him almost without fail through fumbles, injuries, whatever the case. So uh, hoping for the best here. My my gut feeling is he'll go. Uh, it's kind of similar to Tyler Lockett last week. Missed a day of practice, came back for a full practice, got the questionable designation, but played as usual last week. So hoping that that's the outcome. Uh, we'll find out soon enough. You know, I, I put Alex Collins in my waiver article and my rationale is as much as they love Chris Carson and they do, Bob, there's a lot of outs here to where Collins could be relevant, whether it's injuries. I mean, Carson has the fumble problems and they stick with him. But if he's a little banged up and starts fumbling again, you're dealing with a position in Seattle where the volume is going to be there. It's a consolidated target share. I think Gerald Everett may be off COVID this week. I'm not sure if he'll be off for Thursday. Uh, it looks like he will be. Looks like he will be. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, th- there's relevance in the Seattle backfield no matter who is there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and so and I think that's why I've been so in on Carson because mostly he's there. Look, he missed like, what is it, 19 of? 60 some games or career games, something along those lines. I mean, you know, he, he gets beat up like most players do. I don't like to put injury prone tags on people. I don't believe in that. I try to be injury agnostic, realizing this is a collision sport and people get hurt all the time. It's part of the game. And, you know, their ability to come back from those injuries or not Rashad Penny is, you know, is one of the things. And that's the, you know, I bring that name up for the obvious reason that, that this is what makes Collins of some interest to, you know, to all of us is exactly what you said. If for some reason something were to happen to Chris Carson, you know, somebody's going to come up and get the get the playing time. Right now, it looks like Collins. The other storyline I want to get to is I was positive coming into this past week that it was going to be Robert Woods's week. That has not happened. So we can continue to hold out hope. Or do I want to pose the question now? Dare I say, is Van Jefferson becoming a serious issue to Woods's production? Cooper Cup has been fantastic. They all had a misstep against Arizona. But I think Cup is certainly going to be a top-end receiver as long as he stays healthy. 
But is Robert Woods still – it's been four weeks now. We're talking about receptions pretty much 14 – 15 receptions through four weeks. He has yet to crest. Last week he was the wide receiver 27. That was the highest he had prior to that. It was wide receiver 46, 44, and 65. Van Jefferson, Robert Woods. Thoughts? Stop it, Mike Randall. Just stop <laughs> this. <laughs> uh, so – I, so there's a you know a little bit to unpack here. I, like like anyone who invested in Robert Woods, I am highly disappointed. I too have been awaiting that course correction week, right? Yeah. But but so there's some reasons for optimism here. First of all, I just want to say you know something we tend to do as fantasy managers, just as humans in general, we look down a drinking straw. We see what's in front of us, what's now, especially yep. uh, as humans who maybe have fantasy football teams that are one and three or zero oh and four. That focus intensifies even more. And so it's hard to look at the big picture. The big picture is Robert Woods has been a major part of this offense. Sean McVay has said they want to get him back into part of this offense. And and I get it. It's a new quarterback, and that's one of our concerns, right? Matthew Stafford has done a fine job in the past playing with super good receivers, like, I don't know, Calvin Johnson, of still distributing the ball to other receivers. So, you know, I'm not going to – and the other thing is, is, is situations evolve. And what we're talking about – in September, especially September, and I, you know, I'm going to throw out one of my cliches. September is the new August, right? The volatility and it just takes offenses time to come around. But, but what conversations were we having this time last year? I believe we were saying that Tom Brady couldn't throw the deep ball anymore this Good time point. last year before Good he point. ended up being the best deep ball thrower in the NFL by the time the season was over. Uh, Gronk was washed too, you know, early in the season before he wasn't. Justin Jefferson, after two weeks of the season, was a failure, right? So, you know, where we're at today is not where we are going to end up. So, look, I get the need to, to make moves, grind it. Look, the, so what you do is you open up the window of available options to players who are maybe presently more productive. I don't know, Cordero Patterson, let's say. You know, maybe he has wide receiver eligibility or both eligibilities in, on your platform. You say, wow, I think for a little while I could probably play him ahead of Robert Woods. You're doing this knowing you're going to miss out on a big Robert Wood ga- Woods game at some point. But you've got to win games in the interim. And I think, to me, as we've gone through this and, and some of the changes in the NFL and the way they approach seasons, you know, the offseason workouts, the training camps, the preseason, uh, you know, it does lead to a more volatile September. So we've got to get through this September as best we can. And there used to be the, the approach where you play your studs no matter what. Well, you do play your studs no matter what. But what you have to do is be more willing to redefine who your studs are. And who your studs are, the people producing on a week-to-week basis right now. And you have to understand that that's going to change and evolve over the course of the season. And you need to change and evolve with it. Now, going to Chicago, we know that David Montgomery is going to be out now, potentially to week 11, at least four weeks with a knee injury. Damian Williams, who was supposed to fire last year and did not, has now been sort of thrust into a potential lead running back role. And at this point last year, which you mentioned, which I love, Bob, you know, people were frustrated with David Montgomery and there was that glimmer of hope that if you hold out, he's going to have a great end to the fantasy season. And he did. What are your thoughts on Damian Williams? Could they get Marlon Mack? Do you think that Williams is going to be the main guy here? Khalil Herbert, where are your thoughts? Because of course, Damian Williams, one of the hot names now on the waiver wire this week. Damian Williams would like to remind you he should have a Super Bowl MVP to his name. Um, You know, so look, I think he's a capable back. We've seen him be, you know, a high end producer in this league. 
uh, in this particular offense of greater interest, right? So, so there's some hope there. Look, could they make a move? Sure. We, so I was talking to Zach Pearson from Bear Report last night and was asking about Tariq Cohen for this reason. And, he, you know, nobody is saying it in Chicago or no, nobody with the team, but, but there are people there who think he suffered a setback, maybe even had another procedure at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's eligible to come off Pup Week 7. You know, either way, I mean, whether it's him or Montgomery, you know, we get the timetable for return and then we have to tack on some amount of time for people to work their way back in into the mix, right? So mm-hmm. I think, you know, you, I know we're going to talk about Marlon Mack more, um, <clears throat> but yes, this might be that kind of landing spot for him. I think there are other ones that are maybe, you know, more interesting to me, but but the Bears, for now, if, you, if you're out there, you know, with a handful of fab money today, I don't see any reason not to put a fair amount of it down on Damian Williams. Uh, realizing, you know, the limitations of this offense are more related to the passing game, right? The, the, the blocking is horrible, right? The pass blocking. Run blocking, you can kind of cobble that together with guys who maybe aren't high end. It's a, that's more of a struggle. You know, offensive line, uh, I remember talking to Ted Sunquist, the GM of the Denver Broncos years ago, and, and one of the things he just really stressed, said, man, when you lose offensive tackles, you're doomed. Those guys just yep. don't grow on trees. You can't get this kind of player, this level of athlete that you need to play this at a high level. So you're cobbling that together and maybe you can scheme for it, but it's much easier to scheme for those weaknesses in the run game than it is in the pass game. So I think the running backs here will benefit, you know, going forward just from the volume. And I think that's going to be Damian Williams until further notice. Favorite type of morning juice, Mr. Harris, cranberry, orange, grapefruit, or pineapple? Spinach. Um, <laughs> that's right. We saw that before so, we came up. <laughs> and so every single day, I mean, that's how I start my day. I drink about a pound of spinach and kale ground up with some fruit juice. So it changes every day. And so I use unsweetened fruit juices. I, I There's a certain brand I like, and there's a morning blend, uh, peach nectar, uh, pure cranberry, cranberry, uh, blueberry mixes. So I have about a five or six go-tos, and I rotate them every single day because I drink that same gallon of spinach every day and so it helps to vary the taste so no single one i am a i play the field young man i play the field <laughs> very good excellent the popeye of fantasy football bob is who we're and talking to you <laughs> unsolicited plug rw knudsen is the brand of juice yeah. i use and it's fantastic uh, look it up it's on the amazon thing it's delicious excellent we could always be more healthy absolutely Let's transition from health and being vibrant to the running back dead zone. There's no good segue there. Three guys that I want to get your thoughts on that people are starting to worry a little bit about. First is Miles Gaskin. I think he's the best all-around running back in Miami. Obviously, there's been a quarterback issue there now, Jacoby Brissett, but Malcolm Brown outsnapped him last week. Miles Gaskin, is he going to fire here in Miami? What's the concern there? Uh, the concern there, uh, you know, all along has been Malcolm Brown. I've been a little bit dismissive of it because, you know, again, I, we talked earlier about looking down the drinking straw. Part of, you know, looking at all these situations is putting them in perspective with the bigger picture. The bigger picture for Miles Gaskin includes last season where whenever he was available, he got feature back treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the coaching cha- staff has changed a little bit. We've got co-coordinators now doing different things. Maybe they prefer different personnel. They went out and got Malcolm Brown, who's a capable veteran, but not high end. I mean, I'm still so I'm going to keep playing Miles Gaskin as a flex level play and hope I get some running back two production on occasion. Seems to be a little bit better in the passing game, you know, if they use him to that degree. So um, I'm holding out a little hope here. I haven't given up on him because I'm again looking back 
you know, beyond last week, beyond the, you know, the comments this summer, you know, you put those into the, the, the stream of data, right? That's part of the factoring in. And that's what leads to our concerns. But also looking at the bigger picture, the evidence tells me that Gaskin is still, you know, based on what we know, going to have a larger role or at least the lead role in this offense. And maybe week to week, that varies because why the NFL is a week to week game. We all know this. We've all learned this. We should get used to it. Heading down to Atlanta, we should all have the efficiency that Cordell Patterson has. 30.6% snap share against Washington. All he did was end up giving you an RB1 performance at 34.6 fantasy points. You may have him as a wide receiver. It depends on your league settings. 116 total yards, three touchdowns. But my question is about Mike Davis, who was another polarizing guy in the preseason that people were trying to figure out. Mike Davis this year, Bob, running back 32, 18, 26, and 32. He did finally score last week, only 26 total yards. Mike Davis panic level. Where are you at? About a six. I mean, I, I think, honestly, I, I feel like that's what I drafted him to be, okay. right? I feel feel like I drafted him to be that guy. So, again, putting a little perspective on it, I can, you know, doing the serious show every week, we bring on beat writers, you know, invaluable sources of information. And the Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has been telling me since, like, before June, watch Patterson. Watch Patterson. They're going to have a plan for this guy. They're going to use this guy. So, it didn't totally catch me off guard. And, and a couple of things. I talked to Mike Clay from ESPN a week or so ago. And, and he, you know, he had a really good view on this. He says, Cordero Patterson, you know, obviously not a regular running back, does certain runs well, but not a between the tackles guy, doesn't do that well. As a receiver, he is limited as well, does certain routes well, can't do other routes well. It seems like Arthur Smith has figured out the right combination of these two things, right? Where to run him and where to ask him to run routes. Uh, so I think as long as that's working, I think they're going to keep doing it. It's going to be to Mike Davis's detriment to some degree. But as you mentioned, those numbers, I mean, look, we're chasing volume, right? As fantasy managers, the volume is sufficient for a flex level play right now. Kind of where I drafted him to be same range as miles Gaskin, right? I'm hoping I have a couple backs better than him, but if I don't, there's still enough volume there that I can feel at least somewhat confident that I'm not going to take that zero, right? That's what we're looking for. Also on Cordero Patterson, this is just me uh, playing a hunch here. You know, Arthur Smith is the offensive genius, right? They went out and, you know, creative use, and we keep hearing what he's going to do with Kyle Pitts. He hasn't done that with Kyle Pitts yet. I feel like he's got this, this or Rubik's Cube at his hands that is Kyle Pitts, and he's trying to unlock it. And when he does, some of that, you know, uh, some of that workload that Cordero Patterson's getting is going to go to Kyle Pitts. Excellent. Um, and maybe it kind of, maybe it kind of, uh, you know, evens out over the course of the season, right? So I, I think you keep playing Mike Davis what he is, and that's, you know, going back to the point I made. You have to make be able to adjust on the fly and realize, okay, my expectation that Mike Davis was going to be a running back two all season long, it's gone by the wayside. Readjust, reset, look for new targets in there to run as you're running back two, and set him down to a flex level. Last one I'll ask you about. You mentioned his name. What is up with Miles Sanders? He had two carries in week three against Dallas. Not that, that I'm not upset. In my family league, I did beat my cousin by .9, Bob, because he only had two carries. But after the RB12 performance in week one against Atlanta for Miles Sanders, RB40, RB34, RB43, and Kenny Gainwell is becoming a problem. Miles Sanders, where are we at with him? 
Miles Sanders is who I thought he was. Uh, no, so uh, this is another thing I do. Every beat writer that comes on that covers the Eagles, I ask them the same question. Why don't the Eagles like Miles Sanders as much as the rest of us? And they swear up and down, including Mike Spadaro from the team's official site. No, they love Miles Sanders, either, yet they don't treat him like it. And I don't expect that to change. In fact, I expect, you know, at some point, I think they're going to have to run the ball more. They're, you know, Nick Sirianni's got to realize that there has to be at least some balance, right? And and then comes the second issue, right? Then we find out what they really think of Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell. It looks to me, and I know Tim McManus from ESPN wrote something about it this week, that he thinks Gainwell is going to be a thing and that Sanders really needs to flash and show something uh, to keep hold of a true featured role or closer to a featured role. Well, hell, he's already lost the featured role. They just don't want to feature him. They're featuring Jalen Hurts. So, you know, you're going to have to deal with that. I think the thing you're hoping for, uh, if you've invested in Miles Sanders, is his big playability starts to come through. But for that to happen, he needs more volume. And until he gets it, it's hard for me to make a big case for for rolling him out in your lineup every week as anything other than a flex. Nothing brings me more enjoyment, Bob, than watching Sam Darnold succeed. Because my <laughs> my opinion in the offseason was in any other situation where there was a, a quarterback with top three draft capital who's still only 24, that has DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, and oh, by the way, the best pass-catching running back in the NFL, any other situation, people would say they're of value. But I believe that Sam Darnold not only was stuck with the Adam Gaze stink, but because he was caught on microphone saying, I'm seeing ghosts, that he was way too down on the preseason ADP rankings. Look, I don't think he's going to end up as QB5 or whatever he is, but I was positive he was a QB1. Can he keep this up besides his new incredible RPO uh, uh, talent at the goal line? I think he's not going to finish with anybody. He's on track for 20 rushing touchdowns. He's probably <laughs> no. going to get there. But, but, but it's, look, it's, it's been great. And I kind of agree with all the things you said, I, you know, the limiting factors in the past. I mean, you know, I don't like to put too much, you know, emphasis on a single person, but Adam Gaze, let's face it. I mean, the history is long and and not pretty, says Ryan Tannehill and a hundred other players, right? So, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of with you there. Uh, look, I think Joe Brady is a is a great offensive mind, and he figures out how to maximize the use of his players. I totally agree with you on the seeing ghost comments. Said we never heard that. We would probably all think a somewhat differently of of Sam Darnold. I'm sure he wishes he never said that. Uh, you know, uttered those words or at least uttered them near a microphone. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's, look, I think it, it, if you're in a single quarterback league, you know, you can feel free to avoid him. I'd like, you know, I would be fine playing him any given week in a one quarterback league. Probably not going to end up doing that much in two quarterback leagues, though. He's going to be gold. And so, uh, so I, a lot of this can be, attri- a lot of this can be attributed to what you said, the supporting cast, the change in coach, and uh, sometimes it's a change of scenery does it. He seems to be more than serviceable, I would say. And that's kind of, you know, kind of where you were hoping for with the Jets. I think the thing we're all hoping for now is the chemistry previously built with Robbie Anderson comes to the fore at some point, And we start getting a little bit of a, a little return on investment there. I want to be like uh, Indiana Jones in, in the last crusade where he, or in the uh, yeah last crusade where he steps off the mountain and believes I want to believe that Robbie Anderson's week is coming this week. It's very hard when you fill out your DFS lineups to plug in someone that you haven't seen. But if you take that leap of faith, we know it's coming. It's going to, the Deshaun Jackson week happened, Bob. Now we know it's going to come at some point. 
Yeah, and now that it's done, we don't have to worry about it anymore. The Deshaun Jackson week. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Let's play the what if game. I'm going to ask you, suppose what we're seeing now continues. How will that affect the offense? Let's start in Dallas. I was worried about the Cowboys offensive line to a certain extent to start the year because it wasn't where it used to be in the past. And Ezekiel Elliott's been fantastic. But CeeDee Lamb has not been as involved as we thought he was going to be. Last week, Amari Cooper goes out. I transitioned to my DFS lineups with CeeDee Lamb saying, we're all set. Sure enough, he doesn't do much. They didn't throw a lot. Cooper comes back and catches the touchdown. CeeDee Lamb hasn't been great. Suppose this team can continue to run with the efficiency of Pollard and Zeke. Where are you with CeeDee Lamb rest of season? I'm with Dalton Schultz. Um, no, CD Lamb is really Blake Jarwin, Bob. They're not, they're the same person. I, today. Right. I, I, all my shares of Blake Jarwin wish they were Dalton Schultz. <laughs> um, I want to think that there's going to be, you know, weeks where they have to rely a little more heavily on the passing attack and that the CD Lamb's big playability will carry him. I think, you know, expecting to get that ADP return at this point. I'm starting to have my doubts about that. But again, it's only, you know, we're only four weeks into the season. I'm not going to give up on it just yet. But, it, you know, this offense seems to be taking a direction and it's running back heavy direction and tight end heavy direction. Uh, so we'll see. Next up, I want to go down to Miami and talk about the difference between Jacoby Brissett and Tua. Tua now is going to be out. And I've noticed a trend here using our Game Splits app with Mike Gusecki when Tua is in and when he's not in. And folks, don't forget, we have all these great tools here at Rotoviz. You guys can receive a 10% off discount on a one-year Rotoviz subscription. Apply the discount code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotoviz.com backslash podcast for further information. We get all these great tools. The start of this season, Gasecki goes with zero receptions on two targets week one against New England, tight end 52. Then against Buffalo, he comes back after Tua leaves the game Tight end 20 had three receptions. But in those last two games of Brissett, tight end three, tight end seven. Could Mike Gusecki be the late-round tight end we're looking for? Because I think two is going to be out for a while. Maybe there's just something with Brissett and Gusecki, and he's becoming now, is dare I say, a startable weekly option in seasonal leagues? <sighs> I'm, I'm reluctant to dive in, but, I, but look, it's tight end. So if I didn't get Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey, uh, mostly I got – Waller because Kelsey was going, you know, just a little either a little before I was ready to take. I mean, look, I think he's a first round pick, right? But not like the first half of the first round of the people I'm drafting with are very aggressive on tight ends. So I have a ton of Darren Waller. So in leagues where I don't have Darren Waller, I I essentially punted. I have a a fair amount of shares of that next tier. Uh, I skipped the George Kittle tier and went directly to the uh, Andrews Hawkinson tier. And, you know, that's not been paying off that well, you know, to be honest. So, so, but, but if you missed out on those guys, you kind of punt it anyway, right? And you're just kind of either streaming or uh, cobbling it together and, you know, trying to grab the Dalton Schultz of the world as they appear. And, and, and probably in leagues where people drafted Mike Gusecki, they may have given up on him early. I would truly advocate as long as Brissett is in there, grabbing onto him and rolling with him until you have reason not to. Yep. Using the game splits app here on Rotoviz in the two, Games he played with Tua, four PPR points, 20 receiving yards. In the two games without, 17.7 PPR points, 71 receiving yards. Probably won't continue, but it's certainly valid now because it certainly seems like Brissett has a preference going with Gasecki. Last one I'll ask you here for what if. 
Shepard and Slayton are out. We all here on based out of New Jersey bash the Kadarius Tony pick. I will tell you, Bob, in New Orleans, he had a little bit of that stop go joystick like moves there. Kadarius Tony, could he be a thing? He and John Ross both could be things. Right. In an offense that's, you know, looking to get something done and and has a better quarterback than people want to give them credit for. Um, I think uh, you know, look, they have a lot of problems there in New York, right? I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but but I think things are starting to head in a good direction and having some of these playmakers emerge, especially Tony, uh, and exactly what you said, exactly what you say. It looks like this. What am I seeing news here? Huh. Uh, Will Fuller's going on IR, so there's a oh, shocking development. The breaking news on the – yeah, back to Mike Kosicki, Bob. It all comes back to right, Mike Kosicki. Right, there you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I think it just seems like the, the, uh, the, the Giants uh, – for me right now, look, I think Sterling Shepard looked like the best player on the field when he was healthy, right? Yep. So I, I, I think he's going to have a role. So my guess is all this comes at, at the expense of Darius Slayton or at least some portion of it, but they've got to get Tony on the field. And I know John Ross, there's some buzz there. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's sustainable or not. It never has been. Uh, and so if he can do a little more, great. He is a huge threat. I mean, you could see it when he got on the field. They they immediately give that speed respect. I mean, it's funny how, how much speed is respected in the NFL. Uh, you know, guys getting behind you is what gets you fired, right? So, so it's interesting, but you know, they, they probably need to use him in a more diverse way. And I just don't know if all the snaps are going to be there. I think, you know, the, the investment in Tony would suggest to me that he would be, you know, up that hierarchy a little ways. And I think that, that his workload is going to come and it's going to be coming at the expense of Slayton once uh, Shepard gets back. My favorite weekly question for the show. I had a listener ask, he wants the fantasy analysts who always come in and talk about the positives about their touts to say, look, this is a guy I liked in the preseason. One of my flag plants. But if I'm wrong, here's the scenario where it would happen. We had Josh Larkey from Roto Underworld come on and talk about DeAndre Swift, saying he loves DeAndre Swift, but it's possible it couldn't work out. Give us the argument against one of your guys, let's say, from the preseason. Uh, The argument against one of my guys. So I was going to go with DeAndre Swift, uh, but the opposite argument that I had dialed back on him based on the comments, you know, of Anthony Lynn saying, hey, I like to have, you know, Jamal Williams is my, you know, type A back and et cetera. And so, but even as I dialed back on Swift in that moment, in that time, um, I made the argument and I thought it was a valid argument and maybe one that's playing out is Anthony Lynn as coach of the Chargers had, a number of type A running backs. He also had a type B running back. His name was Austin Eckler, and he was fantasy gold, mm-hmm. right? And that's what DeAndre Swift is turning into. Uh, you know, so if I wanted to make another one, let's uh, let's pull out another one. Brandon Ayuk, right? Yep. I made okay. I was all in on Brandon Ayuk, and so if I want to make the argument against him, I say just watch the last four games. That would be very easy. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, I think uh, you know Ayuk. The things that probably. So what I was looking at in Ayuk was the late season workload, right? I mean, he was as heavily targeted as any receiver in the league down the stretch. He was as productive as almost any receiver in the league down the stretch too, except uh, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. He was playing with lousy quarterbacks, right? And I get it that people were hurt around him, that other pieces in the offense, Kittle and Debo Samuel were all hurt. But it seemed like the Niners, the investment in Brandon Ayuk and the, the things that Kyle Shanahan said and the people they picked him over to me, uh, indicated that they had high hopes for him in a bigger role. Um, 
turns out that maybe the injuries were an issue. And it turns out maybe the quarterback who's playing now, and we'll see if that goes, how that goes going forward. Maybe that changes dynamic a little bit. Clearly has a lot of faith in Debo Samuel because we're not seeing George Kittle get a lot of work done and see it. Samuel's playing as a top five back or top five receiver. I think this could change at some point, but the arguments against Ayuk were I got in front of the wagon here and it is running me over as I roll slowly down the hill. I've had this issue with Cliff Kingsbury because he was not successful from a win-loss perspective in college, yet all of a sudden things seem to be clicking. Last week I asked about Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk with Dwayne McFarland. This week I want to ask you, James Conner versus Chase Edmonds. As fantasy analysts, I think we gravitate, obviously, because most of our leagues are PPR, towards the pass catching back, which is Chase Edmonds, who had a great week last week. But James Conner is getting the goal line touches, and he's scoring. So James Conner versus Chase Edmonds rest of season. Is this eventually going to be Chase Edmonds' backfield? Or are we really looking at a mini LeGarrette Blunt from the Patriots situation with Conner where he's going to get those as Rich Rebar calls them, saturated fat, high cholesterol targets (laughs) or opportunities rather at the goal line. Right. First of all, whatever Dwayne McFarland told you is 100% right. And whatever I'm telling you, I'm just trying to cobble together (laughs) on the fly. Um, uh, So both, right? I mean, so both these things can be true, right? So I invested way more heavily in James Conner. Because often in these cases, I will, I'm old and mean and cheap. I will invest in the cheaper portion of everything. That's why I have a ton of Marvin Jones. It's why I have a ton of Antonio Brown. It's why I have way more Philip Lindsay than I have any business having, right? You know, you know, there's some players, even Michael Carter, there's players you invest in knowing that maybe it's going to take some time to play out. And in Connor's case, I mean, most of my interest in him was not necessarily due to him, but due to my lack of interest in Chase Edmonds, who you know, to be fair, has been better than I expected, been he- more heavily targeted than I expected. But the history wasn't there, right? He had two good games, right? Both in MetLife Stadium. He doesn't play there, right? <laughs> he plays in Arizona. So so I guess I, I was a little bit of a skeptic. I think both these guys can be successful, and both of them are playable assets going forward in their exact same roles they're playing. And if something happens to one or the other, the workload increase should be great. Um, and I think that would more benefit Connor than it would Edmonds, I think his role is kind of they find somebody else to play that, you know, inside the between the tackles, short yardage pounder uh, there on that on that roster. And Edmonds role would stay basically the same, whereas if Edmonds went out, maybe Connor's role would grow to some degree. Harken back to your younger years. What was your go to video game growing up? Um, So I I didn't like video games because I don't like to look stupid. (laughs) <laughs> uh, for the most part. And to be good at anything like that, you have to look stupid for some period of time. So yeah, I would I avoid it. Um, you know, I, I was there were brief periods where I would be by myself and play the Wolfenstein game on the computer. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yes. And uh, but that would be about the extent of it, because I could do it at home by myself. When I would go out to places and everyone's standing there playing the video game things, I would go, gee, many Christmas. How do they figure that out? I, I'm I'm not learning that. And so that yes. I just didn't do it. Wolfenstein, what a great call. My goal, Bob, is to get a fantasy football survivor or a fantasy football fear factor with analysts. So let's say I get you on the fantasy football fear factor. You're going to have to do a bunch of things that you may not like, but what's the one thing that would cause you to say, you know what, I think I'm tapping out here? Uh, Doing anything I don't want to do in front of a bunch of people. Um, that would be all it takes, right? I mean, again, we can revert back to the last question. I'm not a big fan of looking stupid. 
and uh, I have a pretty good sense of myself and what makes me look stupid and doing things that are outside my wheelhouse or, you know, being asked uh, to, to jump off the cuff and do something that I have no experience or understanding buried of. Buried alive. Uh, yeah. Recipe for, I'm fine with being buried alive. I do that every <laughs> night. Oh. Um, you know, it's, I guess it's just, that I, I think my biggest fear is the fear of looking like a complete idiot because why I am a complete idiot and I've done a really good job of hiding it for nearly 60 years and I don't want to be exposed. I am with you, man. If we stay true to who we are, be an idiot, be a great one. That's great. That's advice for this podcast. Let's go position by position. I'm looking for underrated players, Bob. Which one, which quarterback right now do you think is sort of flying under the radar? Could be somebody on a team or it could be someone on the waiver wire who you think can have a good, you know, second half season here for fantasy. I think Daniel Jones. I mean, and so yeah. I feel like this is unfair because I've been advocating for him. For way longer, I you know I might not have been the conductor of the hype train, but I was mm -hmm. I you know I was probably driving it you know so yeah. um, and I'll continue to do that. Look, this guy is an overlooked rushing commodity, right? That's the thing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, when he lead the team in rushing six times last year, yep. I mean that's unusual. He's done it a couple times this year. I don't think that's going to happen as regularly as it has in the past. As, as Saquon Barkley you know jumps into the you know gets back in line or seems to be regaining his. Uh, steam, but but I just think Daniel Jones and the, the, we talked about the weapons he has, and you know we were talking about the you know the off the radar assets there. I mean he has guys that have been getting the job done for him, so uh, I think he's a guy that I could ride with down the stretch. And Derek Carr is another one, but I don't think he's under the radar anymore. I think everyone's caught on to him, the uh, bad showing on Monday night notwithstanding. Absolutely, he had a good second half. Daniel Jones, third in quarterback carries, third in in uh, rushing yards this year, has the two rushing touchdowns. And he actually has four red zone carries as well. That rushing is a weapon for him. What about running back? Running back here, maybe somebody who's off to a slow start or one of these myriad of running backs that are lurking out there as backups that could maybe ascend for a starting role here. Yeah, probably an unnamed back, an unnamed running back in Baltimore will emerge. Um, the guy, you know, and an un, unknown running back in San Francisco. I mean, more playing the systems than the individuals. If I'm playing individuals, I've mentioned over and over how I think Philip Lindsay will end up being the best yes. back yeah. in Houston when all is said and done. Uh, also, that's kind of like saying it's a, you're the tallest skyscraper in what, Tulsa or something. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a, I don't know. I'm probably disparaging Tulsa there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a relative thing. But I think at some point, you know, even the worst offenses, there's value to certain players. And I think he's one of the players that I invested in way late in drafts, you know, far into the double-digit rounds, just based on that possibility that, that like looking at the other pieces of the pie there, Mark Ingram, who I expected to get off to a fast start, but we've already seen the slowdown there. David Johnson, we knew was going to be relegated to a receiving role. So, you know, Philip Lindsay, I'm still holding out faith on that one. I might end up looking stupid there, uh, but it won't be till after the season and nobody will know. Oh, wait, everyone listening will know. Ryan McDowell must have been celebrating at Randall Cobb's two touchdown performance last week in Green Bay. Woo! Do you have a wide receiver that you feel is underrated that could come on here? Uh, I want to say Devontae Parker, you know, who started to come ah. on a little bit last week, right? I mean, we forget the investment the Dolphins made in him, and he can, you know, the, he has had stretches where he's been super high end, right? And so I think there's a lot of guys out there. AJ Green is another one who I think is going to outperform, far outperform yeah. expectations, especially with the way they're spreading the ball around. You mentioned mm -hmm. something about Cliff Kingsbury, and I think the thing that I noticed so far is, I mean, yes, everyone seems to be lining up in the same places like they always do in his office, but there's more motion and there's a little bit more, 
you know, at least uh, attempt to keep opponents off balance. And I think that's already paying off. But spreading the ball around, and that may be more on Kyler Murray than it is on Cliff Kingsbury, just a step in his maturation process to, you know, not hone in on a single target. Sorry, DeAndre Hopkins investors. Um, but I think the way they're spreading the ball around there, uh, A.J. Green may end up having a better year than we expect. There's tons of wide receivers, though, right? I mean, just a ton of them who could come out of nowhere and end up doing reasonably well. Emmanuel Sanders has already shown some signs of that in a high-powered offense. So, uh, And Darnell Mooney may, may end up uh, paying off for everybody who was uh, truthers there. Yeah, get that Undertaker gif on Twitter for Darnell Mooney's season when Justin Fields came in last week. That changed everything. Last position, tight end, looking for – you know, I thought it was going to be Jawan Johnson with the Saints. I was very excited with him, athleticism, you know, not a lot of weapons there. He sort of tailed off. Maybe there's somebody better you have here that you feel is underrated, could do a good job rest of the season. There's like 800 underrated tight ends. I, yeah. You know, every week I have a different one. You know, Max Williams was my pick last Max week. Williams. He yes. came through. Yeah. Dan Arnold is the guy I've had my eye on, right? Because I feel like he's got that unique seam splitting ability, kind of the wide receiver body, a little beefed up, able to run down the middle of the field. But I thought that when he was playing for Joe Brady, who maybe, you know, he'd played for in the past. He was with New Orleans briefly. So I kind of had hopes for that. I'm not, I'm not sure I have the same hopes in Jacksonville. Um, uh, I, you know, we can't say Dawson Knox anymore because he's totally unsleepified himself. Um, but I think there's a whole list of guys that I think a tight end, it could be like a week to week proposition. Totally. Gerald Everett's a guy I have my eye on though, a little bit, you know, at some point maybe emerging into a more consistent play because they really don't have a wide receiver three there, you know, that's kind of a consistent threat and maybe he can develop into that, which is what they hope we had going into the season was I'll stick with that hope. I love when the guest names the podcast Dawson Knox Unsleepified is a strong contender for the name of this podcast that drops tomorrow. New England backfield. Yes, I'm guilty. I hyped up J.J. Taylor when James White went out. I tried to pick him up and do a galaxy brain move here, Bob, by saying here he comes. He catches one swing pass against Tampa Bay. Out comes the ball. You can put J.J. Taylor in the side of a milk carton. What do you do here with the Patriots backfield rest of season? Uh, you, uh, as always, you trust in Harris. All the Harrises should have all your trust. Uh, Najee, Damian, Deontay, you name it. They should all be uh, in your uh, So um, I think over the course of time, the Patriots, are we're going to see them try to be run heavy. I don't know if Ramondre Stevenson turns into that guy. You know, I mean, he's a little more varied skill set, you know, can run and catch a little bit. Damian Harris, I mean, I saw him catch pass, so. I mean, I think it's going to be Harris, right? I just don't know if it, the production is going to be high end. We've seen him at times when he gets that full workload, really be productive with it, especially late last season. He, he was beat up and he was still getting the job done. And I was pretty impressed and uh, and, and invested there. So maybe I'm touting my own investment, but I, but to me, he makes the most sense yeah, beyond that. I mean, and which means it's definitely Brandon Bolden. Yeah, of course. Right. When in doubt, Brandon <laughs> Bolden. Usually when in doubt, James White. Now it's when in doubt, Brandon Bolden. Bob, this has been amazing. It's an honor to talk to you. Last question, then I will get you out of here. Go into that spinach-infused brain of yours and give me the big Bob Harris bold prediction for the rest of the 2021 fantasy season. 
Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is a top 15 running back over the final eight games of the season. Yes, he is. That is the call. Yes. Excellent. Folks, Bob Harris, amazing job on Twitter at Football Die Hard, senior editor there, Sirius XM fantasy host. He never sleeps. He's in a lot better shape and a lot healthier than I am. Got to follow him on Twitter, interact with him. Bob, it has been a pleasure to have you on the mailbag. We will absolutely have you back on soon. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.